what the hell, Ron? That is uh, today's topic. You know, we're going to be diving into that debate. I've been researching that. I've been looking forward to this. And the good news for me, uh, Minister Ron, is I'm almost going to be the good guy today. I get to take the more traditional viewpoints. I'm not going to be called names. I'm not, I don't get tomatoes thrown at my house. All of that is coming towards you. That's right. <laughs> you know, we're in Hall of Fame City right now broadcasting live and, well, almost close to Hall of Fame City. But the Hall of Fame is going on and there's this professional football players all around. There's uh, so much going on. We got a PGA tournament in Akron, Ohio. So right now, Northeast Ohio is really just cracking with professional athletes, not to mention the best basketball player in the world is actually in Northeast Ohio. So with that said, and just ruffling some feathers right off the bat, today's show, we're going to have a guest calling in and he's a friend of mine. He's a he's a family member and we're going to have our Koinonius time with him. And then we're going to dive into our debate, which I know you're looking forward to. But I'll, let's preview just real quick, um, Pastor Ron, our next debate for next week's show. What is that going to be? Well, it'll be about the idea of uh, can you lose your salvation? Uh, once saved, always saved, as opposed to uh, the idea that a person can, nothing can separate us from the love of God, but can we separate ourselves? That's the question. And, and that is. And now the reason you don't hear this on Sunday mornings, because usually the minister or pastor already has a position and he doesn't want to teach the other side necessarily. He wants to show you why you should believe what he believes. And so he wants the whole congregation to believe what you believe. But we're going to present both sides. So next week's debate is going to be a little bit different. We're going to present both sides together. And then we're going to give our opinions at the end and maybe debate a little bit at the end. because That's what we do. So right now, though, we're going to go into our Koinonia time. Koinonia time is going to be with Minister Rick. Minister Rick Pfeiffer out of Columbus, Ohio. He's been in the ministry for, for a long time. He's my friend. He's my uncle. Minister Rick, are you there? Hello. Hey, there it is. Can you hear us pretty good, Minister Rick? Yes, I can hear you. I all right. All right. Okay. I hear you. Excellent. Well, the first thing I want to bring up, Rick, we had years and years and years ago the first and only Christian hip-hop radio show in the state. Do you remember that show? I remember it well. We had a lot of fun, didn't we? We had a lot of fun. And we were able to kind of just put the gospel out there in a language that most people didn't want to hear. But those who enjoyed that language and those who loved Christian hip-hop, and not to mention in the studio, we just had a blast because we would go in, we would pray, we would talk, we would fellowship, and we just play good music. And you came up with the whole idea of let's do contests, let's do the pump or dump, and I mean that was just that was just phenomenal. Yeah, we even had giveaways and everything, which got the kids involved, and it it just turned into a bunch of fun. That's all I can say. We're being ourselves and getting the gospel out there. And, and you know that's really what we try and do here. We don't model this show after any other show that we've heard. You know, we don't do sermons on this show. We're just being ourselves. We're out here. There's a positive message. It's non-religious, but it's Christian. You know, we're not going to get into all the trappings. We're not into candles and everything like that. But we're into Yeshua and we're into him being king and Lord. That's for sure. But we're just being ourselves. And and before all we right. before we ask you another question, I want to bring up something that you know real well. Your mom, this lady, 
is the most, I'm going to say it like this, the most prayingest woman I've ever met or ever, ever come into contact with. Can you testify to that a little bit? Yeah, she wakes up praying. She's always praying. When she's talking to you, she's praying. And she's praying just in the spirit. And right. then uh, she'll always tell you, you know, if she doesn't know something, she can't help. I'm right. being real. You can't get help. Right. But, yeah, she just loves to pray. And I just learned from her myself, you know, you can walk and pray. I call it prayer walking. Mm. But, yes, indeed true. And, and not to mention, you didn't stand a chance. I mean, you could run into the world as much as you want to. And, be, and both you and I had our opportunity to run out into that world. But, man, when, when there's somebody that close to us praying like that, it really just it almost just puts a, a, a tap on our destiny and says, come this way. You hear a call inside because it's not because we are we are related to her. It's just because we know who she is and we can testify to her prayer life. Amen. Yes. And, uh, you know, and just from that and, you know, I, I tried hard, you know, push it right. in the world and everything. And from that, just, I guess, being hard headed, just learn how to be in the trenches. So now I pray in the trenches where I can reach out right. and touch those people in, in the trenches. Excellent. And, and, you know, and I also I also remember you and I'm going to clown on you just a little bit because that's what I do is uh, one time, uh, Ron, Zach. Rick comes to one of our services and he says, look, I'm not like you guys exactly. I don't praise real radical. I don't praise kind of like you guys, but I'm going to be here, but I'm just going to be me, which we always allow people just to be them. There's never a pressure. We don't give commands like everybody do this. It's, you know, you know who he is. I want you to know that Minister Rick was the one leading the praise by the end of that service and was running around that church with reckless abandon. Uh, Rick, do you remember that? I remember it well, and I guess our motto was, how can you go to a athletic event and just jump around and praise and score a touchdown, your team's down by three, and Say you're that. just a then you're at church just standing there. Just standing there. And I there. said, I'm, just, I'm calm at an athletic event. Right. And I was calm at church, but when the spirit hit, I believe we went outside the church, <laughs> ran through the parking lot, back in the back door, through the aisle and back in, and we had a good. I, I was I was completely tired when we got done. <laughs> but and, and, I remember you know, that. And what's funny, I can't I can't imagine right now what the neighbors thought if they would have looked out on that morning and saw us in that type of celebration. But we didn't care at that point because we were caught in another world. We were demonstrating the other world in this world, and that world could not tell us how to celebrate what we knew to be true. And that's why it was so fun. And it was. I, I remember that like yesterday. I mean, we, we were running, not sprinting, not jogging, not looking at each other. We were running. Yeah. And, 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 we could, and we could testify to it because David danced before Yahweh in the, in the old uh -huh. covenant. And we know people despised him, including people next to him, because of his celebration. And I don't think there should be anything outside of respecting our neighbor. There shouldn't be anything. And when we go to our house to celebrate, nothing in our house should stop us from celebrating the way we know we should celebrate. That's right. That's right. And even in that event, I remember we just had music craze. And I was upset because the drummer got tired 
is playing and it sounds so good, but he couldn't even play no more. Right, right, I and I apologize. <laughs> he was tired. <laughs> yeah, and and now and and we when going back to that, uh, Minister Rick, we 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 long for those days. We miss those days, and we know a lot of those days are based upon prayer and praise. There's no substitute. You can't fake it. This is something that your mom taught me well. There's a there was a, a couple days, and you you might not know this story. I had been praying for about two or three days straight and studying the word, praying, studying the word, running around my house, trying to just really understand what I was reading. I get a call to go out to the lake. I go out to the lake after about two or three days of praying and your mom is there. I sit beside her. I don't say a thing. I sit beside her and all of a sudden she starts, you know, when she feels the Holy Spirit, she starts to shake. She starts to move and it's, it's almost uncontrollable with her. You know, Minister Rick, she started, as soon as I got close to her, she started to shake. And I, I realized at that point, I didn't say I've been praying. I didn't say, but she knew. She automatically knew what was going on. And I realized you can't fake the Holy Spirit. You can't just say, well, we got the words, we got the hype, we got the religion. There's the people who know the Holy Spirit. You can't fake it around them. Can you testify to that? That's very true. And I'm going to give you an awesome example. Remember when Grandpa was on his deathbed? Yes. And you were prayed up, and you came into the hospital. As soon as you walked in that room, I don't know if you remember, Grandpa sit, sat up in the bed and said, yes, Mark, yes, yes. As soon as you hit that room, he felt that spirit, and he had his eyes closed. You remember that. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but that's a I true do. story. Yeah. I do. And, 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 and I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, that just, you know, just lets you know, he, we all felt that spirit. As soon as, you know, we hit that room, you know, he, man, he was just in relief. You know, he, oh, man, he was, he's ready to get up and dance, you know. Right. And, and what, and this is something that this show is a part of, uh, when people work out physically, you, if they faked it, you can tell when it's time to actually participate and you've been faking, it comes out. And that's something we find we found out about Yeshua. You can't fake Yeshua. You can you can't just go through the motions and and then hope for a better end. When for him faith is obedience. There's no separation between what I'm cognizant of and what I'm actually doing. And, and Minister Rick, you are a testimony to that because you really put your life on the line. And and now you're, you 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 have a, a beautiful job. You, you know you have a beautiful family. And you, and as you told me. You're living the dream right now because Yeshua has been putting that on the table for you. Can you testify to that? It's just very true. We're just, we look at the world and how the world has just set up what should be good and what we should have. But then you really look at it. You know, I said, man, everything's okay. I had another job offer in uh, Denver, Colorado. And they were offering me a little bit more money and things of that sort. And in the world, it looked good. But I looked at what I had here in Columbus, Ohio, and the money I was making, the boss I have and the senior vice president I have, I said, I couldn't get better people anywhere. Why would I right. chance that? And I, and I told you I'm living a dream and I'm blessed, you know. And we just let the world trick us into, hey, the old saying, grass is greener on the other side. Right. And uh, I'm my praise report right now. I'm living a dream. I'm not a millionaire, but I'm healthy and I'm happy and I'm thankful. 
and you just testified to the passage and, and we realize it's not about things. Things could never, obviously, and this is this is elementary, things don't make us happy. You are content in the situation you are in, and that's why you are blessed. Minister Rick, before we let you go, we're gonna ask you a question because we're getting ready to dive into this debate. And our debate today is on is called What the Hell? And we're gonna talk about hell, and I get to be the good guy, but what is your perception? One, before you go, does hell exist? And two, does it last forever? What's your take on that? I say absolutely hell exists, and I wouldn't take a chance on thinking it doesn't exist. <laughs> and hell is eternity. It's, I go back to a childhood explanation of how I think it's just like you're just falling forever, or as if your equilibrium is off. Everything's wow. uncomfortable. It's just, you know, there's no enjoyment. And anybody right. willing to take a chance on that, you know, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Minister Brick, this is the first time, but we know it's not the last time. Thanks for being a guest, and we look forward to you being a guest host. And don't forget, if we have this debate and you're listening and you disagree or agree, call back. It won't be the first time. Thanks for calling in. Look forward to talking to you soon. Y'all bless. God bless. Thank you. All right. That was Minister Rick Pfeiffer out of Columbus, Ohio, who was testifying to the original church and how the original church operated. A lot of times people debate on theory. We debate on reality. Now, Pastor Ron, it is time for iron sharpening <laughs> iron. Are you ready? Because you get to be I'm you're the good guy, but I'm the better guy <laughs> today because we don't have any, any any bad guys. Now, if you're going to join this debate and we know you might want to. Um, I'm looking for the phone number. So while I'm looking for this phone number, uh, Minister Ron, I'm going to give you the opening statement. There it is. We want you to call us at 888-429-5471. That is toll free. 888-429-5471. Or you can call direct in the U.S. or Canada at 323-744-4841. Give us a call. Let us know what your take is on this what the hell. Now, here's the rules, Ron. We know the rules. We're going to try and convince Zachariah the novice, the Timotheus right here, this guy, on our views. Now, we're not saying if we really believe these views or not, but we're taking these sides. The gloves are off. All right. I want you to debate like you know how to debate. Go back to your college days. Let's get these gloves off. And you get to give your opening statement. Zachariah, you're the judge. Okay. Um, the idea of hell, if it's oh, eternal, no, I'm joking, that, that goes in the category of eschatology. And any of these issues, I take a real loose grip on. I believe they exist. I believe there's hell. I believe there's judgment. But... Um, for the sake of today, we'll argue, but normally I would not argue this position. Right. Uh, I I would say I'm in deep water. I can't touch bottom. And so, therefore, I am not going to be that dogmatic about it. <laughs> there are three positions, though, I think. One is hell doesn't exist at all. God is love. Uh, love wins, and everything's going to be okay. And that is not a biblical position. That is wishful thinking. I discovered another position a few years ago. Talk about it. That is called the conditional position. And that is that there is judgment. There is punishment. There is, we will all stand before God. 
And yet it doesn't go on eternally. There is a second death. And the more I thought about it and I thought, you know, if I was going to debate this issue, I'd probably take that position. Well, that's what you're going to do. That's what I'm doing today. Uh, The other position is the one that was just articulated, that hell is eternal. That's my position. That's your position. So uh, Traditional. I I can't believe it. So I'm going to take the position that we will cease to exist someday. In Revelation, in the, in the, uh, when John was speaking the seven churches, he spoke of the second death. And I believe that the second death may well be a real death. Now, there's circular reasoning. If you believe that hell is eternal, uh-huh. then you believe that death is really just eternal separation from God. So then when we come across the, I, the word death, the wages of sin is death, we say, well, yes, but death is eternal separation from God. It's not death at all. It's eternal life as separated from God. Well, that's circular reasoning. We're starting out with an assumption that hell goes on for e- eternity. Therefore, when we hit the word death, we assume that, well, that just means separation from God. Well, death means death. When the writer said the wages of sin is death, they didn't say the wages of sin is eternal life. They said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Therefore, eternal life is a gift. It's not something I possess. The Bible says that God alone possesses immortality. So this gets into a question of the soul. Is the soul immortal? I'm sure we'll touch on that. So that's my introduction. Wow, good introduction. Go ahead, Mark. All right, Zachariah. Listen, not to mention I raised you. So now listen, uh, I don't want you to get caught in all of the vernacular. I don't want you to get caught in doctrine or dogma. I'm going to present my opening statement crystal clear and very, very simple. Are you ready? Yeshua said forever and ever. Hell will last forever and ever. I rest my case. Pastor Ron. Okay. The word forever and eternal are both the same word in Greek. It's the word ionos. And um, the question is, what does ionos mean? And in, in the English Bibles, it's translated eternal or everlasting. But the Old Testament was written in Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And, and it was written early on, so we get an idea of what the early writers meant. So whenever the, in the Old Testament, whenever ionos is used, it means more irrevocable rather than eternal time-wise. For instance, there's two stories I can think of. One, uh, Elijah had a servant, Gehazi. And uh, Elijah healed, was it Nahum, of uh, leprosy, but he didn't want any reward. Well, uh, Gehazi ran after Nahum after the fact and said, hey, I'll, I'll take the reward. And because of that, it said that God gave Gehazi leprosy forever and ever. But yet Gehazi doesn't have leprosy today. He had it irrevocably. In other words, it was going to happen and nothing could stop it. In, I think it's 1 Kings, um, when it talks about the prophecies concerning the nations, it talks about the prophecy of Edom. And it said that God would destroy Edom and the smoke of Edom would rise eternally or Ionos. But if we go over to the site of Edom today, there's no smoke rising. But it makes sense if you say the smoke would rise irrevocably. In other words, this is not something that God was going to take back or change his mind on. Ionos clearly had two distinct meanings, and people debate the, but they it could mean eternal, and it could mean irrevocable. 
And I believe that normally most of the meanings of Ionos are irrevocable. So when it talks about irrevocable punishment, that makes sense. Irrevocable life. Uh, we will have irrevocable life. It, it will not be taken away. Um, so I think the word eternal is is clearly open to debate. And First I off, would, I'm sorry. I, I thought I'm sorry. No, go, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm, I'm through. Zachariah, did you understand what he was saying right there? I'm thinking about it. Go ahead and ask him a question if you are confused, because this you're the judge. Okay, so eternal, eternal versus irrevocable. Irrevocable means it's just going to happen. Yes. It's not necessarily it's going to continue to happen. Right. Okay, so so now are we kind of getting into the same debate here? Do words really matter? Well, the word that matters is Ionos, and it's a Greek word. And it was used to describe the smoke of Tyre, the leprosy of Nahum, and uh, punishment. So to me, there's other things that we help put that word into context. In other words, the wages of sin is death. Death does not mean eternal life in hell. Death means death. Um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, perish is not a good word for eternal life in hell where you will never perish. Matter of fact, it means just the opposite. The traditional position is that we will never perish. We will live forever. And yet the Bible says perish as opposed to eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life as opposed to perishing. Why did the writers use language such as destruction, perishing, and death to describe a situation where we won't be destroyed, we won't perish, and we'll never die? It, it, to me, uh, we have to change the meaning of all those words in order for them to make any sense from the traditional sense. So my second point then, in lieu of what you're saying, is the worm never dies. And where's this worm at that I am referring to? Are you familiar with that passage? Yes, the worm is uh, an animal that ate corpses. Uh, it talks about the fire that cannot be quenched. Now that's not saying the fire is gonna go on forever. In other words, say there's a forest fire out in LA and there's a bunch of houses in the way and the fire people finally decide this is a fire, it's an unquenchable fire, we haven't been able to stop it. They're not saying the fire is going to burn for eternity. They're saying the fire is going to burn everything in its path and that everything will be destroyed. That's what the, the unquenchable fire would be in the world we live in. Why then, when we hear about the unquenchable fire, do we have to assume that it's eternal rather than that it will destroy everything in its path and it won't be quenched? Okay. Well, let me, let me take that two different ways. One, any metaphor used in earth is going to be temporary because everything seen is temporary. Unseen is eternal. Therefore, just looking at a temporary metaphor does not negate the eternal factor because the metaphor itself has now passed away. So when we look at the Valley of Hinnom, we look at what was referred to as burning in their life. It would have been burning forever. So according to what they saw, according to the illustration in their locality, the point Yeshua was making was not that it would stop, but like that which you see is burning perpetually. That's what hell was compared to. So, yeah, though today, 2000 years later, we look back and say the valley has stopped burning. The point to them was that the valley will burn perpetually as it has been for their entire life livelihood. Looks like Zachariah's well, got something. I'm sitting here listening to that. And you said what is unseen is eternal, right? 
but he's describing that eternal would be the wrong word, correct? Because he's repeating what is unseen is eternal, but then you're saying eternal is something else. I don't think Ionos meant everlasting time-wise. Here's another thing I'll throw in. Well, before you do, we have someone, we have oh. Peter, we have our guest host because he calls in uh, by mandate every every uh, week. Uh, Peter on line two is going to join <laughs> this debate. And uh, Brother Peter, guest host, co-host in Kansas. First, how's the weather out there? Uh, we have some rain. Uh, it doesn't feel like hell currently, which is always ah, nice. That's a good one. <laughs> nice segue. Nice segue. Okay, uh, guest host Peter. Um, you've been hearing a little bit of this debate, but the question right now that we're asking is, is hell eternal? What's your take? My take is, uh, if it isn't, then uh, I'm going to live however I want to live. And if it is, please help me not to go there. <laughs> so, so that, and that's a, a, a really, really good point that he's bringing out. Um, Pastor Ron, what... His point is, and I, and I hear it really, really clear, if we can put a relief on this punishment so you're not getting a life sentence, you're getting judicial release at some point during this hell, the incentive to avoid it may be lessened. And it didn't sound like Yeshua was saying, I'm going to give you a way out. He was he's creating a place that didn't have that way out. So people would be looking at that with the motive to avoid this place and not thinking, oh, well, I can do anything I want to do now because I know at some point this will end. Well, look at it this way, though. Let's say you're going to be there for, in our time, six months. What is that six months going to be? Just because it, it could end early doesn't mean you want to experience so much as a second of it. Because how bad is it really? Right. And, and, that, and that's the one thing. And two, um, let's say there is an end to it. What if it was a billion times, a billion years to the billionth power? You know, so let's say, yes, it does come to an end, but, you know, you got a billion times a billion to the billionth power years of suffering that, you know, and then it's going to come to an end. That's going to, wow, we, we are in unfathomable numbers. And anytime we move into a spiritual dimension, the time dimension ceases to have relevance. And so when we say there's an end to something in the other realm, it's saying I'm trying to put a temporary tag on an eternal place. And I'm going to try and take my present history and future and put it into the eternal, which we know we cannot do. And so the further you go into the spiritual dimension, the less time and space actually has any indication or parameters or boundaries. And therefore, if hell is in the other dimension and not a part of this earth, then how could we say that there's a temporary tag on an unseen thing that's in the same realm of the unseen God who is eternal himself, who said this is not for human beings, but for those who are going to be against him, which were the angels. So hell, death, and Hades are going to be thrown into a fire, and it was intended for them. And just because human beings are joining in doesn't mean he's going to take the fire away. It just means that they're going to burn with them and their punishment by their own choice. Minister Ron. Well, first of all, I don't think the second death mentioned in Revelation is such a nice thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that is kind of the ultimate punishment. <laughs> Most people would rather probably burn in hell than be annihilated forever, especially if there was the possibility of life beyond that. So secondly, I'm not sure just a fear of eternal hell is um, such a great motive for coming to the Lord. I think a love of, of, of Christ and Jesus is is a, a much better motive. Uh, the Bible said it, it's, the, it's the compassion of, of God that leads us 
to repentance, not fear of hell. I think whatever is going to happen will be fearful enough. It says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, of God. So I, I'm not sure that's such a strong... Besides, that's not a biblical argument. That's more one. This is the way I think it should be in order for people to... Yeah, the fire insurance, I, I think, is, uh, is, is definitely not the motive. However... It is the scriptures that teach us about hell, so I don't think it should be ignored in, in, in lieu or in view of the love of Elohim and in the love of Yeshua and it's the grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. I do believe they did teach and talk about, and not just Hades, because if we get into the technical term, Zechariah, there's actually more than one term that was used. They have Hades, they have Tartarus, they have Gehenna. And so we have, but the only question we're asking here is not whether it's a good motive or not, but will it last? And my argument is because it's not of this creation, it will last forever. And it is coupled by the fact that when Yeshua said forever and ever, and it's a place where the worm never dies, the emphasis of these statements was eternity. The, even though they can be used in a temporary format, the, 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 the meaning behind these statements was a very long time. And so he uses the Hebrew idiom that is very common when you repeat something twice you're really emphasizing and then he uses another parallel which we see in the psalms where he says forever and ever the worm never dies so he's creating two things showing that we're going to have a timeless place of punishment uh peter and i see ron ron's going to jump on me but peter go ahead rescue me a little bit yeah um i have a question for you all go ahead yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of that scripture that says, I'm going to show you the end from the beginning. So uh, could we just kind of dance here for a second back to the Garden of Eden? And may, maybe uh, I'm thinking about, you know, there's two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life, and then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, what it... What did our Elohim, what, what did our Father, what did Yeshua, what did Holy Spirit, what, what, what did our God have to say about that in regards to eternity? You know, if you eat, you can eat of the tree of life, and this is what's going to happen if you do. In fact, you can eat of all these other trees in the garden because somehow they're connected to the tree of life. And I love to give my people options. And then on the other side, he says, I don't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, uh, this is going to happen. Uh, what did he say was going to happen, and how long did he say it would happen if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Just uh, and, the, Minister Ron, and, and I, I think that's Minister Ron's point. Go ahead, Ron. Well, he said they would die, uh, and they did die. Uh, the capacity to contained God's spirit within them died, and they became, it says, uh, they died. Uh, what, let me make two points. This idea of, I, I know the traditional position states that we have this eternal soul that is going to live for eternity, and it'll either be in heaven or it'll be in hell, but it can't be annihilated because it's an eternal soul. Uh, I think that's a Greek idea. I, from what I understand, the early church fathers, when they were, when the church began to be challenged on the idea of the resurrection of the dead, the church fathers said, well, wait a minute, this is something you should be familiar with. And they, they quoted Plato and some of the Greek philosophers who stated that we had this eternal soul. And yet the Bible doesn't say this. 
The Bible says that God alone possesses immortality. And I would say the soul is what? The soul is the will, the intellect, and the emotions. Well, we have a little dog that's got will, intellect, and emotions. I think in the Garden of Eden, when we died, we died. And and God will resurrect us at the end of the age uh, for justice and judgment. But I don't believe, apart from God, I have this somehow, this eternal soul that I possess. The Bible says God alone possesses immortality. The gift of God is eternal life. So I think in the Garden of Eden, when they died, they died. Now, they were continuing to live, much like an animal might live, but apart from God, they had no eternal life. And again, another issue here, and I'll bring up two while I have the microphone. Please do. Time. This is one reason why I would not fight to the death on this issue, because we are caught in a four-dimensional world. Time is a fabric of our world. Einstein said that as mass travels down the fabric of time, time is bent, and that's what we perceive as gravity. Uh, scientists say that time came into existence 3.7 billion years ago, that before the Big Bang, there was no time. So time is a temporary element of the world we live in. Great. It existed. There was no time before the universe existed. Someday the universe will not exist because the universe is not eternal. God is eternal and the spiritual is eternal. You made one statement that, that if it's eternal, it's ageless. But if it's eternal, it's beyond our ability to comprehend because I can't comprehend anything beyond a f something that exists in the fabric of time. But the Bible says at the end of the age, time will cease to exist. Daniel talked about the time, and I thought about this, when time will be no more. I love it. What does that mean, when time will be no more? Now, that didn't make any sense until Einstein came along and said time is a dimension of our four-dimensional world. But as, as gravity increases, as the, as the speed increases, time varies. Well, I always thought time was just this thing that we all live in forever, like fish live in the water. But Einstein said it's a dimension of our universe. I believe that when I step into eternity, I'm going to step out of time. Now, whether that time is eternal. Now, when, when I say everlasting, I'm talking about our time going on forever. But I think in the eternal realm, it's different. It's not going to go on forever, like the clock won't stop working. I don't think that's the way the eternal work. We'll step out of time. Now, what happens there is I believe as the child of God, I will have irrevocable life. It will not be taken away. But I think if I don't know God, then that second death, that perishing, that, that, that may, there will be no eternal clock that doesn't stop ticking because time will be different there. So uh, this is why it's an interesting debate. Yeah, we both you, may be wrong. I think you just gave, you gave me a point, you know, right there, and I appreciate that. So I'm going to give you one because what you just described is, is the basis of my argument. And the traditional argument is timelessness. It's moving into the next dimension. Uh, Shaul, when he, when he talked about it, you know, through the Holy Spirit, he says, and I'll quote it again, you know, do not, do not look at things that are seen because things that are seen are temporary. Things that are not seen are eternal or timeless. And so the whole point and, and, and the whole argument then is based on hell was intended for Satan and his angels. This is, that's without mistake. 
Now, the fact that humans are going there didn't change the sentence, um, but it, it puts it in, into the other world where time does not exist. And because there's there's a timelessness to this dimension, um, I'm going to, I would say, you know, I, I would take it to this point. Let's say there is an end. That end would be so far away. It would seem like it wouldn't end because we're going to still have that consciousness. So what you're saying, perhaps there becomes a soul sleep or a soul annihilation and we might exist, excuse me, those over there might exist in the same state they were in four billion years ago. That's where they're going to be four billion years from now in a state of non-existence. But I think the argument is that Yeshua was crying out and in and, and desperate need and went through such a sacrifice, not so people would just have no uh, a non-existence, but because I think he also knew of the horrors of this death and of going into the second death. And uh, Peter, you're still here. You're still with us. What What is your take on that? And then we're going to have Zachariah give us his uh, final conclusion on this matter. Sure. Um, just the the story popped into my mind that Yeshua uh, taught us about the rich man and uh, the beggar. Yep. And uh, the question I would have on that is, is this just a story or is, what is, what is his main point? And uh, is he talking about a place that goes on forever, you know, called hell, you know, thrown into the lake of fire? Uh, because, uh, you know, just recalling what I remember of the story, I mean, the rich man isn't a place called hell. I mean, well, apparently there's two compartments to this place. I mean, is it Hades or hell? I don't recall. But, uh, you know, he's feeling all the emotions that, uh, uh, he, you know, the weeping, the gnashing of teeth. What is What does that mean? I, I, I right. suppose what I'm... It seems like he's very cognizant here. You know, that there really right. is a conversation. He can see exactly what's happening in terms of Lazarus being in the other compartment, whatever that is, uh, is a holding place uh, in, what do they call it, in Abraham's bosom. And they're actually carrying on a kind of conversation. Is this just a story, or is this, uh, what is story, and what is actually uh, uh, reality that he's trying to teach right. us here? Okay, go ahead, Ron. I think it's both. Uh it may be parabolic. In other words, it, it may be like the the four soils and the seed that fell in the soils. I don't think Jesus was describing a particular day when seed fell into four soils. He was describing a truth. And this may be that. It may be a description of, of a truth, or it may be a real situation. Either way, I don't think my position is one that denies the fires of hell. It doesn't deny punishment. It just takes it away from eternity. It right? takes it like, away from eternity. There, there and this also this also existed before the judgment. Right. This did not exist after the judgment. In Revelation, it talks about the second death. The second death occurred after the judgment. This occurred before the judgment. So I, I don't think the story, uh, basically the story both both of us could agree with. There is right. judgment. I think um, eternal gnashing of teeth, the idea of, it, the Bible speaks of there will be many stripes or few stripes, evidently depending upon the guilt or the culpability of the person. And eternity in hell kind of nullifies that whole idea because you couldn't get any more stripes than that. 
So where is the many stripes and few stripes kinds of justice that the Bible seems to talk okay. about? Okay. Let me let me piggyback on that just real quick, and then I want to give I'm going to argue a point on the other side. But um, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah. It would be more bearable. And so what we what we have here is another debate, but another indication that it could be more tolerable for some in Hades than others, which does indicate or signify that there's going to be uh, perhaps levels of torment. And so we're not going to get into philosophies or Dante's Inferno or anything, but just with the words of Yeshua, the, 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 the key was it, can, it will be more bearable for them than them, signifying, you know, perhaps those who perhaps knew more or have the greatest opportunity, whatever. I don't know the key here. I don't know the grading curve, but it does indicate that there could be. Um, we're almost out of time for iron sharpening iron. So Zechariah, it is now time. You get to ask either either side and including uh, guest host Peter, you get to ask any of us concluding questions because we got about two minutes to wrap up this and then we're gonna go into our next segment on the crucifixion. So go ahead. I guess listening to this, um they say the scripture is Holy Spirit inspired. This is the word of God. But how could we debate a point of hell? How could there be two sides to this? You see what I'm saying? I mean, there's such a gray area here. Why is there no clarification? Where there is. And the clarification doesn't mean we're going to, in our finite conscious minds, agree to it. There is an absolute for sure. And the reason we're having this discussion is to try and get closer to the absolute, which is why Ron and I both said um, maybe neither one of us are right, because here's the truth. One of us is right. The other is right. Or we're both wrong. That is what's absolute. There is an absolute truth. And that's what we're all pushing for in this in this topic. Next question. OK, so what about let's say you run into Catholics purgatory. So where, where, where would that concept come from? Well, that's a whole new. That is not a conclusion to this debate. That's a whole new question. But no, but uh, Ryan, this is what we get when we put a novice on the mic. You see why we can't do this? No, go ahead. Ryan. Purgatory, I believe, as a Protestant, is one of those situations where people say, "This is what I think it ought to be." Uh, I think the eternity of hell with no end is also a situation where people say, "You know, I think this is what it ought to be." Uh, and we're not arguing what we think it ought to be. Say we're that, thinking right. about, we're arguing, debating, discussing what the Bible arguing. says. And and just to sum up my position, there is no such thing as eternal destruction. But there is irrevocable destruction. And I believe the Bible is, is fairly clear on these issues. So, um, and, and Brother Peter, before we let you go, give us your final synopsis. And then we're going to have Zechariah give his concluding uh, vote. What is your take? Does hell, excuse me, not not Hades nor death, but does the second death last forever? Yes or no? What is your take before you go? It has to last forever, or it's not a fair contrast to eternal life, to eternal, you know, pain or pleasure. I mean, if pain was not real, if pain did not last, uh, then pleasure wouldn't be enjoyed nearly as much. Uh, it's the two options. We got to have two viable options, and uh, you know, if eternal life in the blessing of relationship with Father goes on forever, uh, then there must be an opposite contrast that's that's fair. That's uh, or 
that's 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 my take. Right. Yeah. Well, well, we we appreciate that take, and I keep saying I'm going to argue one for uh, the other side, and, and I need to do that here real quick in in this conclusion. So, in my concluding statement, um, mercy triumphs over judgment, and etern forever and ever does it have an end. You know, the original argument is, again, we're thinking, boy, it's unfair for humans, but hell was not intended for humans. The second death was intended for death, Hasitan, and his angels. It was not intended for us. So is the punishment fair on their behalf? And then we also have to look at, and again, another argument for the other side, does a loving father, knowing humans will end up there, allow them to last forever in death? Maybe he could annihilate them, so to speak, and still allow Hasitan and his angels to find the punishment that they deserve. So there's a lot of different views that we didn't have time to bring out, but we hope we gave you a little bit to think about. And Zachariah, your concluding remarks on this, and remember who pays you and can fire you. Go ahead. I am going to conclude with Pastor Ron. See, that's why I'm mile. That's why. And here's why. Um, number one, if. I look at it this way. It comes down to, it, I think he made the point of, I think he just made it. It's just mercy over judgment. That was mine. I, I, I know. I said, I think okay. you just made it referring uh, to you. I'm and the New Testament really doesn't speak to me to be more judgment. It's more love. So I, I think the fact that we're, we're even debating this I look at it like it, it, it just—I don't think it's eternal. I, I really don't because if, if God knows humans, if God knows humans are going to sin, how could He hold that really against them? You, you know what I mean? You're, you're gonna—if we don't understand the eternal world, if we don't understand the spiritual realm, then how could we be punished? You know, if we don't understand it, we we, we just can't. We can't take it in, and I just don't see where you would just burn in hell eternally. Because if you look at the thieves on the cross, did they get in? Did they get into heaven? Are they in hell? Are are, are the people that Yeshua forgave for killing them? Are they in hell? Um, you, you know, so somebody could have the worst life in the world on this earth. They could do everything the opposite of the Bible, but then at the last minute get in for forgiveness. And it, it just seems to me. It, I just can't see it being the other way around. I can't say, see it being eternal. We don't understand the spiritual realms. We don't understand time. We don't understand. We don't even know why humans think. Well, look, just real quick, we'll put that in the first person because I do believe there are people who do understand the spiritual dimension and people who practice spiritual practices do have an understanding of both the spiritual dimension and timelessness. And in fact, it is commanded by every Christian to be a part of the spiritual dimension, that the natural dimension becomes secondary the spiritual dimension becomes primary, where a lot of these things, by the Holy Spirit of eternal wisdom, does give us understanding. So I do understand, as a novice, it might seem almost impossible to understand these things, but I wouldn't speak as a as a blanket. You have to speak as a personal, because well, there it, are people that, who they, do they don't understand. They can't, and it even says we can't comprehend it. We don't know which day anything's going to happen, so they couldn't possibly understand it. So, in conclusion, what is your vote? Does hell last forever or no? Zechariah. No, it does not. Okay. Absolutely not. So Zechariah, the novice, has sided with Minister Ron. But I know uh, Brother Peter and a lot of the <clears throat> excuse me, Christian church uh, is, is siding with that it does last forever. 
usually and, and predicated just on the words of Yeshua himself. This is a place that the worm never dies and it will be forever and ever. So just sticking with that, you might think it's forever. But here's one thing we can all agree on. It's going to be a long time. Regardless if it has an end, it's going to be a long time. And so trying to put billions and billions of years of torment together and saying, well, at least it has an end, if that's comfort for you, the key is avoid it all. And let's get to the other side where we don't even have to wonder if it's going to be forever. So we have 10 minutes now. Uh, Minister Ron and Brother Peter, as our guest host out in Kansas, we're going to finish with a, in our, in our last section, this is gym class. This is when we're going to actually talk about an exercise, a spiritual exercise, because the key is to see, and, and I believe uh, it's the new covenant, to have a spiritual mind. Our worship is in the spirit. Our warfare is in the spirit. Our walk is in the spirit. And ironically, there's very few spiritual activities that Christians know about. And they become very, as Zachariah was saying, uh, temporary minded. They, they, they view so much from the right now temporary cognizant paradigm, and they've never had spiritual encounters with the one who knows all things. So what we're going to talk about for the last 10 minutes in our gym class um, is, a, is a spiritual exercise that anyone can do independent of your faith or position or doctrine. This is a very biblical, a very scriptural exercise. And uh, Brother Peter, uh, just real quick, we've been going over this exercise for quite some time, but I'm going to introduce it again, and then uh, we're going to be able to testify to it. Uh, Brother Ron, this is something I want to challenge you with um, as, as, a, as an elder in the church and as a minister. We want to see if we can't funnel our prayer life for this week through the crucifixion. And so the activity that we want to do this week so we can all kind of be in unity is to funnel our prayers, our activities, our thoughts through the crucifixion. And here's what it could look like. Um, let's say I'm getting ready to pray and I open up my prayer with something like, Father, my old self has been crucified and my new self is alive with Yeshua in his resurrection. Let's say I'm praying for, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble or I'm looking at my future and I, and I know I need food or I need water. And he says he knows we need it, but we're okay to ask. How could we use that in, in, the, in the realm of crucifixion? We use it in this light. Father, lack has been crucified with Yeshua and I am alive with him and all my provision is alive in the resurrection of Yeshua. And so what we're doing here is we're, we're calling on Yeshua and we're, and we're putting everything through the crucifixion and resurrection, which Shaul said is pretty much the only thing he really wanted to know, Yeshua and him crucified. Peter in Kansas, just real quick as a guest host, have you been practicing this, yes or no? And if yes or no, why or why not? Yes. Um, for me personally, I've... Um, I've been blessed to have encountered Yeshua, and uh, the, the heart of my relationship with with Father is, you know, breaking. You know, the body broken for me, the blood shed for me. It's it's really the most enjoyable time of anything else I do in prayer. Excellent. And, I always, uh, Minister, I always, go ahead. I go ahead. Always, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, when I come back 
to what Pastor Ron was talking about, the passion of my Savior for me to reach me in this reckless, beautiful love, you know, his body broken for me, his blood shed for me. When I come back to that, as, you know, he is the main who. I mean, I don't want hell. I want him. And so this is the heart of my relationship, the heart of all my prayers. Excellent. And again, just to, just to model that just a little bit, because this is a spiritual exercise that um, anyone who is saying, I've never really encountered Yeshua, you know, maybe not by name, not by anything that they could really uh, sense a testimony for. Um, this is for everyone, uh, men, women, boys, girls, uh, brothers, sisters, family, friends, neighbors. You know, it, it, when we look at the elements of uh, Minister Ron, there's two things that we speak on with action, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Both of these have one thing in common, many, excuse me, many things, but one thing in, in particular, and that is the crucifixion of Yeshua. When we are baptized, we're saying at this point, I am no longer going to live my own life for me. I'm going to live my new resurrected life out of this water into the resurrection of Yeshua. So he gets to leash the rest of us, the rest of our lives for him. That's what baptism is kind of showing. And we also know that the elements, no matter what doctrine you hold on the bread and the blood of Yeshua, he says when we do this, we proclaim his death until he comes. Now, here's the challenges to this exercise. Your mind's going to say, well, what about everything else? I'm bored. I'm, I'm, I need all these other things. And yet at the same time, as a spiritual practice, bring it all the way back to where it all began, the new life through the resurrection. Now, this is difficult. This is not an easy by any means exercise. So when we come back next week and we get to testify, there's going to be, you know, we're not looking for what we might get in traditional places such as, oh, I tried this and everything was great because it might not be. Because when you start testifying to the crucifixion and resurrection of Yeshua, as we've been talking about, sometimes all hell can break loose. Things can happen, distractions, um, mood swings, um, anger, animosity, things that are deep down inside start to emerge. But here's what I know for sure. When we persevere, when we persevere in these spiritual exercises, those things that seemingly were impossible now become possible. The information we never had all of a sudden we understand. Uh, Minister Ron, is this something that we feel or that you feel would be a viable exercise for you this week? Yeah, well, it's absolutely necessary in the Christian life. Uh, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I think um, it was mentioned earlier, somebody, your caller said this was one of his most pleasant times. For me, this is one of my most difficult times. Uh, and I think when we have to do this is when we have to do something that we don't feel like doing. For instance, we have to love somebody that we don't want to love. They may be unloving, they may be undeserving, and yet we have to love them. Excellent. So therefore, we have to die Excellent. to do that Excellent. in order to let Jesus' love, Yeshua's love, flow through me to that person. There's a quote, uh, I think Norman Grubb said it, we must get away from the false idea of becoming something to instead containing someone. Well, that's a painful process for the flesh. That that doesn't come easy. It's it's a discipline, and uh, but I think if we don't experience that, I think it's debatable whether we're really born again. Excellent. And and, and we have one minute left, and so I'm going to conclude. Um, so, Brother Peter in Kansas as a minister, uh, Minister Rick in Columbus, Pastor Ron, and any others who want to join into this, um, if you have been baptized with Yeshua um, this week. 
when you come across that issue, when you come across the flesh screaming because you want to get revenge, just remind yourself, I have been crucified with Yeshua, and it's not I who lives, but him through me. And watch the power of Yeshua come to you in that situation. For Minister Rick, for guest host Peter in Kansas, for Ron, and for the novice Timotheus, who is now fired, Zechariah, this has been Yakanan. You have been listening to the Non-Religious Christian News. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Yah bless. <laughs>